0: From the beautiful city of Hollywood, we bring you Film Forward, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival. Hey, welcome to Film Forward, everybody, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival. We've got an incredible episode for you today. This artist has worked on shows like Grey's Anatomy and Queen Sugar. Her feature work includes the Netflix film, Really Love, and her short film, Look Back at It, I'm proud to say, will be screening with us on September 22nd at the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival. Felicia Pride is the embodiment of make it happen mentality. From her work in television, to her independent projects, to creating her own production company, Ms. Pride has made it happen. She's a wealth of knowledge, a wealth of inspiration, and this is about the time where you, the listeners, say to me the host. Shut up, Nick. Let's hear from Felicia already, to which I say, I agree. All right. We're honored to be joined by Felicia Pride, writer, director, and producer of Look Back At It. Felicia, thank you for being here. And how you doing? Welcome back to LA. You just got back from Boston for your own film festival, right?
1: Yeah, from Baltimore. Yeah, we did Honey Child Fest, our first ever festival for my production company, Honey Child. And we partnered with a dope local film festival on the ground there in Baltimore called Black Femme Supremacy Film Festival, which was started by Nia Hampton. They actually screened my first short. So yeah, we brought Look Back at it to Baltimore where we shot it. So it was our Baltimore premiere. And we also had a live version of our podcast. And then we also screened additional films from Baltimore Filmmakers. It was a great day.
0: That's awesome. Talk to us a little bit about Honey Child Entertainment, this independent media production company. And as you mentioned, y'all have a podcast also. Yeah. I listened to a couple episodes, loved oh, it. <laughs>
1: cool, thank you.
0: <laughs> oh, of course, of course. But talk to us about how that all manifested and came to be.
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely, you know, working in the industry, I felt like I saw a need to, one, sort of solidify my space space As not just a writer, but also as a producer. And then from a sort of audience standpoint, really seeing opportunity to tell stories that centered people like me, Black women like me, Black women 40 and over. So Mm -hmm. Honey Child is... Uh, independent, like you said, media and production company or boutique that centers Black women 40 and over in front of or behind the scenes. So anything that I do and we call our audience honeys, but then also anything, you know, we're looking to take out projects that I don't necessarily write that may or may not center honeys, but are for sure by honeys and have that honey perspective. So we have a full film and TV slate that we were working on and developing and taking out prior to the strike. We also have our NAACP nominated podcast, Child, Please. And Look Back At it as our first short that we've done. That's also a proof of concept for a feature. So we have a lot of things going on.
0: It sounds like it. That's great. So as you mentioned, Look Back At It, a beautiful short film, Thank proof you. of concept for a feature. For years, you've been in the writer's room for TV shows like Grey's Anatomy and Queen Sugar. Yeah. How does your process change from, you know, being in the writer's room to working on a solo passion project like this?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And also I write features to both in the studio space. So I have features with Universal and Sony, all those prior to the strike. The one thing, though, that working on sort of your own projects does is it kind of allows you to, especially if you're writing and directing. I actually Mm -hmm. got into directing because I realized that I wanted, there were certain stories that I wanted to be part of the process from start to finish and certain stories that I had very specific visions for. And so when you are writing and directing your own stuff, it really does allow you to have your voice unfettered. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, you don't, you manage the notes process, right? So for a look back at it, still went through several rounds of feedback with my feedback circle, but I didn't have to get notes from execs and make compromises in those those types of ways. So it really, for me, is the closest I can get to my voice being unrestrained and unfettered And getting to choose who I want to work with across the board is also wonderful. I get to work with friends and valued collaborators and then also owning it. I think that ownership is important. So the fact that, you know, we own, look back at it, we have skin in the game for the feature. That's also important.
0: And you said something that I think is so, so key. And it's like, Harnessing that voice, that unfettered voice, and making it as true and specific as possible. Because from my experience, the more specific experiences are that come out in any art form, the more universal they tend to be.
1: I absolutely agree. Like, Look back at it, has done really well in the festival circuit and has been to me a testament because it is very me. (laughs) It is very Felicia. Mm -hmm in terms of voice, but it's also like very Baltimore. It's very like black woman. And I leaned all the way in and all those things. I did not shy away. I remember uh, a friend of mine who helped me do some music on the film when he saw a cut of it. I have this club song that starts playing. He's like, the club song, it's aggressive. And I was like, I know that's what I want. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't shy away from those things. And I feel like because of that, people have been able, people of all kinds have been able to relate to it. You know, the script was nominated for a Humanitas prize. And that was really, really special to, again, not shy away from the authentic voice, but to lean into it and for Mm -hmm. institutions to recognize that. And I just wanted to go back to your earlier question about the writer's room. The other thing, the writer's room is my favorite place when it's healthy, actually. It's one of my favorite places. Set probably is, you know, a close second. But your job as a TV writer is to write in the voice of your showrunner, right? So- that is your job. The wonderful thing about writer's rooms is, again, when they're healthy, it's a bunch of smart people talking about story. And I can do that all day. I love it so much. But at the end of the day, again, your job is to write in your showrunner's voice. And sometimes if you've been doing that for a really, 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 really long time, you kind of can lose your own voice, right? Mm -hmm. Or lose the sort of intensity of your voice. So I think that's why for me, working on my own stuff has also been important to kind of keep that my personal voice
0: sharp. Balance, right? You know, it's all about balance. Yes. A little bit of both. The writers' room keeps you sharp with the storytelling, and then keeps you, you so know, sharp
1: with the stories. Exactly, yeah. exactly.
0: Well, again, I love the film. As you mentioned, it relates to a lot of people. I myself was raised by three women, so I grew up in a oh. house with my my mom, my grandma, and my aunt, and we all lived in the same I love house that. together. So in your story, there's just the dynamic between the characters. I just felt like I was back at home. I was like, oh, my God, (laughs) this is this is like uh, watching my childhood, hearing them bicker and crack jokes on each other and stuff.
1: (laughs) Yes, I love that. Where did
0: this this concept come from? It's specific, as we talked about, but universal and just hilarious.
1: (laughs) Thank you. So, you know, the log line is a single mom gets her groove back with the help of her teenage daughter. That's a long line of the short. And it was actually inspired by the dynamics between my mother, my sister, and my niece, and parts of me as well. And so it's loosely inspired by them. I don't like to give away the spoiler of the short, but it's just loosely inspired by the dynamic between them and really gets to the heart of what it looks like when we want more for our mothers. And what it looks like to be a woman, a mother who gives so much of themselves and sometimes doesn't have enough left over for themselves. So that's kind of what the short and even the feature gets to the heart of. And I really just wanted to show, like you're saying, the women I grew up with, aunts, cousins, Mm -hmm. who love hard who laugh hard and do everything for everybody else, but sometimes don't have enough left over for them at the end of the day.
0: And I think you execute that so beautifully through your work and the work of all of the cast. They're just wonderful. Their comedic timing is great. Thank you. Talk to us about working with that cast because they were tremendous.
1: Oh my gosh, I was so blessed. And even now it's like the camaraderie, I wouldn't even say camaraderie, the family, the, the familial feeling that was happening on set has still continued through our festival run. So, you know, our star is Angel Lakita Moore, who is having wild success with her song, One Margarita. We actually slid and emailed her cold. (laughs) Um, uh, My producer, yeah, my producer, Regina Hoyles, listened to a podcast she was on that Angel was on and Angel mentioned being from Baltimore. And I really wanted as much as Baltimore represented in this short, both behind the scenes, like our DPs for Baltimore. Most of our crew was Baltimore based, Um, but I also wanted actresses. So I was like, okay. And we were really originally going to cast Angel as the best friend, but I just started thinking, I was like, I think Angel can I think she's the the one. I think she is our Lene, our our lead actress. And she was down to play and step up into that role. And she's just amazing because she's a woman of all trades. She is comedic actress. She is, you know, a creator herself. She is, you know, she's done everything. She said, took clown classes, like the improv, the <laughs> physical comedy. She's done it right. all. And it 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 shows when she shows up for work. And then our mama, who plays our matriarch, Natalie Carter, OG actress from Baltimore, just amazing, amazing talent. Our daughter is played by Nisa Morris, who's Atlanta-based, who's just brought that naivete, but also like, you know, this new generation Sense of self and sense of the world to that role. And then the best friend was played by one of my really, really good friends, Hadia Robinson, who's a comedian, one of the funniest people I know. She's actually on tour right now with Janelle James, who plays the principal in Abbott Elementary. So Hadia just came with the one liner. She gave us alts. She, you know, um, (laughs) it just, it's just amazing. She was just amazing.
0: And what was it like for you bringing that film and bringing this story to Baltimore, A, to film and be able to make a film in Baltimore, but then to come back and then screen it for a Baltimore audience?
1: It was amazing because it was such a community effort you know, my mom is location manager, so she got credit as location manager because oh, that's great. she secured our main location, which happened to be my aunt's house. So we shot it in my aunt's house. My cousin is in it. He plays the date in the first scene. And right. he's the son of my aunt's whose house we shot in. Uh, my other cousins are in it. My niece was a PA. My homeboy was a PA. So that community love and working with family was amazing. My mom was on set. Watching me direct, which is priceless, yeah, you know, in her best friend's home, the whole just spirit of it was amazing to have something that was so personal was just amazing and then to bring it back in a special premiere because they didn't have the Maryland Film Festival this year, so we were hoping to like get into that and but they didn't have it at all. so we brought it back ourselves and wanted to make the screening special. And it was. We were able to have a lot of our cast and our DP and our producers and participate in a QA and a And to hear the community really talk about the film and seeing Baltimore represented in a way that's so normalized was really priceless.
0: That's beautiful. It's so great to hear that you had your family a part of the process also. I was like, Going through some like old DVDs the other day, and I threw on like a really old short I made years and years and years ago. Oh. Uh, and my wife had never seen it, and I had like all my family members in it because this was like, oh. you know, I was young, <laughs> <laughs> so she was like, Oh my god, look how young he is! Oh my god, look how young he is! And I was like, I Oh love yeah. And, that. Uh, <laughs> Devin was, uh, you know, six weeks old in the uh, bedroom next door. Like, you know, we had to like stop when she was that. crying. She was, it was like it was a total like piece of like our family history. Also, it's like in that oh, film. It sounds yes. like that
1: documentation is huge. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's really
0: Great. And talk to us a little bit if you can. I know I'm sure with the strike, it's everything is everything is all in flux. But can you tell us anything about the feature version of Look Back at It and where it's at in the process?
1: Yeah, sure. So it's funny because I wrote the feature length version of the script like four or five years ago before I even shot my first short. Oh wow! But it was one of those stories where you kind of have to be ready to tell it because you have mm-hmm. to make sure you do it right because it does sort of for me, represent family and community and all that. So I recently did a rewrite on that. I need to do one of the things that I've been doing over the strike is doing some rewriting on that. And then the goal is to after the strike to take it out traditionally. But I'm also not going to wait for Hollywood or I'm not going to let them fuck it up, for lack of a better word. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So we're prepared to raise uh, money independently if necessary, because we're going to make this feature no matter what, like I, I'm very clear on that. There's many things in Hollywood that you can't control, but this is one thing that I I know we're going to do because I know what we're capable of as a team and as a community. So yeah, that's the goal to to take it back to shoot it the full feature in Baltimore.
0: We are rooting for you, and we're excited to see it because I know it's going to get made, and I know it's going to be amazing. So we are Thank we you. are very much looking forward to it. My friends at home. If you want to see the short, you can come check it out with us, Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival. Come check out "Look Back at It" Friday, yes. September twenty second. It's going to be a part of the LADTF block. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> tickets are on sale right now at LA. That's like so that,
1: perfect. Yes, I was
0: I was proud of that one. <laughs> uh, tickets are on sale right now at LADFF com. We're going to take a quick break, everybody. But when we return, Felicia is going to help us out with our favorite segment, Gimme Three. We'd like to take a minute to talk about LADFF sponsor E Minutes. E Minutes is a corporate entertainment law firm that handles the corporate minutes for more than thirty-eight thousand entities involved in the entertainment industry. Like last year, they're sponsoring an award with the Los Angeles Diversity Film Festival called the Emerging Filmmaker Award. You can learn more about our partnership with e Arts and their mission to amplify the voices of underrepresented storytellers at eminutes.com forward slash arts. That's eminutes.com forward slash arts. All right. Welcome back to Film Forward, everybody. We are here with Felicia Pride, a writer, director, producer. She's brilliant. And so you're going to want to hear her recommendations. Right now, she's going to set us up with three films that have inspired her, inspired her work. So, Felicia, let's get your first one.
1: Yeah. So these three films have inspired Look Back At It. So the first one is Lady Bird, Greta Gerwig's Coming of Age. And for Look Back At It, particularly the feature Version of it. Part of it is coming of age, and it's coming of Mm -hmm. age for all three characters for, you know, our grandmother, our mother, and our daughter. So that film really inspired me. The awkwardness of it, the complex relationships between mother and daughter, Mm -hmm. the, you know, wanting to pave your own way, like all of that definitely inspired me.
0: And it's got such a sense of place, too. So much of that film they're talking about, like, trying to, you know, Sacramento is such a—it's a character in its own right in that film, which sounds like Baltimore is is a character uh, in your film as well.
1: Absolutely, and and Sacramento is a place that I don't know if I've ever really seen on screen. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, right. So
0: absolutely, excellent first pick. I just rewatched that not too long ago because I'm writing a coming of age story myself, and nice. great inspiration. And I think she has a new movie coming out. I'm
1: or a new movie that just came out. Something, (laughs) a little small movie.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think it did all right. (laughs) All right, Felicia, your second pick.
1: My second pick is How Stella Got Her Groove Back which, you know, was a book by Terry McMillan. I loved the book when it came out. And, you know, here it is, a Black woman who is 40 years old who's getting her groove back. And that's definitely, Mm -hmm. from a plot standpoint, a big plot point for Look Back At It, this single mother who is getting her groove back, who's resistant to getting her groove back, but also then sees sort of the the value in it. And what I like to play with is how getting one's groove back metaphorically helps across the board, right? It, it helps to open you up in all the ways. So yeah, that's definitely a inspiration for Look Back At.
0: I was talking about the women in my life who raised me earlier. When this movie came out, my grandma thought it was the Citizen Kane. Of her, of her. It was it was her <laughs> Citizen Kane. <laughs> she did that. It was... It was she just loved it. <laughs> I mean,
1: and also, like, we have to talk about the iconic cast, right? You have Angela Bassett.
0: Angela Bassett was her her favorite actress of, of all time. She just thought she was incredible. And she loved Tina Turner also. So she was like, yes, when uh, like, What's like, Love oh, got to do with it? That out. She was like, she was like, that's my girl. That is it.
1: <laughs> I love it. I mean, and, and you have Angela Bassett. You have Whitney Goldberg. You have Regina mm-hmm. King. And also, you know, there's steamy scenes in... Oh yeah. Uh, how Stella got a groove back as well, which is definitely inspiring to me to be able to show women of a certain age in sensual and sexual scenes is is important.
0: How Stella Got Her Groove Back, an incredible film. If y'all haven't seen it, it's worth a watch. If you have seen it, it's worth a rewatch because that's what I just did and I still loved it. So
1: it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun.
0: (laughs) All right, Felicia, your third and final.
1: My third and final is Spike Lee's Crooklyn. And when you talk about place, right, like Mm -hmm. the way that he made Brooklyn look and feel is definitely inspiring to me when I think about Baltimore. But then also To have this family drama. And I say drama, but honestly, it also was like so regular. And I use that word with all the respect because I feel like sometimes, you know, certain stories, especially by people of color and Black people, there wants to be a sense of like heightened drama. Like it's got to someone's who got shot, who like all these things. But I love that Crooklyn was sort of normalize what drama is in families. yeah, And I love that. And then it also has some coming of age aspects to it. The richness of place, the richness of family, definitely very inspiring.
0: For my regular listeners of the podcast, Ad Nauseam, I talk about Spike Lee, how much I love Spike Lee, Do the Right Things, my favorite film. But Crooklyn, I think might be my favorite soundtrack for a film of all time because oh, that soundtrack is it's yes. just banger after banger after banger. Yes. Like, incredible, incredible soundtrack.
1: It's so funny you say that because music is also a very important part of my filmmaking. Mm-hmm. So that's another aspect. I'm glad you pointed that out for me to to remember about Brooklyn. And also, you know, the fact that it was Crow written by his sister and his brother, so the familyness yeah. of it in the making is just also very inspiring. Those
0: are three incredible films, Felicia. I couldn't have picked three better myself. <laughs> we are so excited to uh, to meet you in person. We're very excited to be screening Look Back at It. And thank you, all my friends at home. It's screening Friday, September twenty second, with LADFF in the LADTF Shorts Block, and tickets are on sale right now. LADFF.com. Felicia, so great chatting with you and thank you so much for doing this. Thank you.
1: Thank you. And I'm so excited to attend LADFF this year. So thank you so much for screening our film.
0: Our pleasure. Thank you all for listening to Film Forward and we'll catch you next time. Our recording engineer and mixer is Anselm Kennedy. The podcast is produced by Anselm, Sonia Maru and yours truly. Thanks for joining us on Film Forward, and you'll hear us next time.